Welcome to the Working Tools Podcast, where today will be part three of our discussion of the article, Who Leads the Leader? Ladies and gentlemen, brethren all, welcome to the Working Tools Podcast, a casual conversation around Freemasonry. First, it's important to note that our thoughts and opinions are our own and do not reflect those of our Grand Lodge or respective craft or concordant bodies. Please connect with us and ask questions via our website at theworkingtoolspodcast.com. Today on the Working Tools Podcast, we have three quarters of our usual crew with Worship Brother Stephen Chung of uh, Prince Charles Lodge number 153 in Kelowna, BC, very Worship Brother David Colbeth from uh, King Solomon Lodge number 60 in Auburn, Washington, and myself, I'm very Worshipful Brother Matthew Apple, and I'm a member of Mill Creek Lodge number 243, and we meet in Mount Lake Terrace, Washington. So uh, we're continuing our discussion today of the, the Who Leads the Leader article, which was written by Alden Jones, who is a past Grandmaster of Washington. And appears as a short talk bulletin, which I'm sure David will tell us the, the volume again soon because I never remember to say. Um, and I promise today that we will answer Steve's question. And it is, who leads the leader? We, we've been talking about it for, for three episodes now, and eventually we'll get there. So with that, David. Everybody's waiting with bated breath to learn. <laughs> it's been three weeks now. Well, it's the past masters, of course. <laughs> I thought it was the secretary. Damn it. <laughs> Obeys. Isn't that the word obey? No, oh, no, that word's not obey. It's I observe the world pleasure. The world pleasure. <laughs> I, I see it from afar. <laughs> but I thought they made reference to, uh, you know, best district deputy grandmasters. Um, they assume that the BDGMs know what they're talking about. I, I think that was a broad stroke in that. You know, in 1975, they may have been knowledgeable deputies, but not in my term. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, well, on a serious note, I mean, it's kind of like the Ed Team. It's a resource the district wide yes, that you can yes. you can access to. If you're a a guy in the lodge and you go, man, our master, he's, you know, if I'm whatever the a junior guy in lodge and you just like shaking your head that man i don't know what's going on over there maybe you go to your deputy and you say hey can you talk to bill about this because someone needs to nudge him onto the right path a little bit and the deputy is definitely a resource for that yeah so we're sure we're sorry Steve. go ahead no you go ahead i was gonna say we're 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 smack dab in the middle or actually just kind of beginning the the 10 questions the 10 responses to the question uh that what can we reasonably expect from this lodge leader or the master of a lodge? I mean, we're kind of talking about masters, although leadership, as we talked about before, holds many different ideas and many different positions. And so we're, we're, but we're in generally, we're talking about the master of the lodge. So what can we reasonably expect from our lodge master or the lodge leader? Well, most and, definitely an interesting meeting. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, leader arranges interesting meetings. And he provides instruction, motivation, and inspiration. Right. Invites guest speakers. Now that's an interesting thought too. I know that that's something bigger in the states than it is in Canada to invite guest speakers to um, um, to do uh, education and make things um, different and interesting. I, I had the uh, uh, lady from the blood donor clinic, Canadian Blood Services, come to do a part. Well, we had planned it for Scottish Rite to come and do a presentation and whatnot. We ended up doing it on Zoom because COVID hit, right? <clears throat> and it had been more than a year and people were asking. And, and so we did it. 
but still going to ask her to come back to another meeting. Um, we've had city councilors, mayors come in to our lodge to talk about different things as education type pieces. And so, you know, I guess in our lodge over the years, we've, we've had some uh, leaders who've uh, made some interesting meetings. That's for sure. Right. And qualifies on that one. But I think the next one preserves the landmarks. Well, you know, he schedules a review. That's an on. interesting one. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> You're jumping ahead again, Steve. <laughs> so when we we talk about recalling great moments in masonry, I think it, it, we talked off the, offline about Thornton F. McElroy Lodge and another William H. Upton. We were talking about past grand masters, lodges that have been named after past grand masters. There was uh, Thornton F. McElroy in Federal Way. One of our past grand masters was the master originally of his lodge, and then 50 years later, he would master again. And one of the things that he did was to, because he he was a founding member, of the, almost a founding member of the lodge, and he knew all the past masters. And so, as part of his segment, he he had a, a cool Masonic website. He had some interesting education, and then he had a little story about one of the past masters of their lodge. And so he was kind of teaching the guys about the history of their past masters. And I thought that was really really neat, a really neat idea to have. The history of who these guys were and again he had a fortunate opportunity because he knew a lot of them he could actually relate some of the stories and so he always had a unique or funny even story about the past masters of the lodge and then the idea of holding special nights to generate interest i don't i don't think a lot of our lodges do that G generate interest does it generate interest among the lodge members or generate interest in inquirers and it doesn't have to be the master that does that again delegate right and Anybody listening to this, if you aren't a leader, what you might think of, I'm going to say air quotes here, if you don't think you're a leader, if you're not an officer, just because you're not an officer doesn't mean you can't go to the master and say, hey, master, we, can we have a social night or can we have a, an investigation night or an open house or whatever? You can do those kind of things. You know, As the Westgate guy talking to all the inquirers, I said, hey, we need to have another night that I can bring and invite inquirers to. And so we started our social night about six years ago. So on the fourth Thursday at Auburn, we have a social night in addition to our dinners before the event, our stated meetings. And so I'm, I wasn't an officer at the time. I was a past master, but I wasn't an officer. But I said, hey, can we do this? And yeah, and every past, every master has said from then on. And now, magically, six years later, well, we've always done that. Everybody knows about our social night. But it wasn't, it took about four years for everybody to start to realize it. And then, of course, COVID hit. But just just recently in the last year or two it's been where well of course auburn has a social night on the fourth thursday everybody we all know about it and we have have been great attendance between 10 and 20 guys on normal uh, to come out and inquirers this last time we had four inquirers i think out of the you know 12 guys that were there that was really the purpose of it is i needed i jealously needed another opportunity to talk to these guys and get them to know the masons because how as part of six steps like you talked about how do you get them to know these guys if they don't have an opportunity to socialize with them right yeah we did the same thing we created a social night once a month in prince charles lodge and it just started gaining a lot of momentum after it was roughly about 18 months i'm thinking um uh, of of consistent you know sometimes there was only a couple of people there uh sometimes there was 20 people there but uh how, holding it consistently uh for 18 months and then 
uh, COVID hit, right? But we had gotten a pretty good regular attendance um, <clears throat> at the point of uh, COVID shutting us down um, on average, 20 to 25 people, right? Mm -hmm. And we had guys coming from an hour, both sides of Kelowna. Uh, so it was Penticton or Vernon um, that brought a lot of guys up here. And um, the... They came, they brought their prospects, they brought their uh, uh, other members and just to get a visit in that um, they didn't have to dress up in a tux or a black suit. And um, <clears throat> it was uh, um, well-received, well-received. And um, Vernon actually started a, their own social night because they had quite the active um membership that looked forward to uh doing social but they didn't really want to drive that hour to Kelowna and back right and so uh they ended up getting their own thing going pretty good and um uh, unfortunately you know can't make it to Vernon's all the time because you know I, I've got a quite a busy life here in Kelowna right <laughs> you know when you do when you when you were doing you know four or five nights a week in, in Freemasonry in Kelowna, you know, getting your wife to let you go out that extra Friday night is uh, a little challenging, right? <laughs> I get, I can, I can get Sunday through Thursday pretty good from her, but you know, the Friday, Saturday, nah, those are her days, right? So uh, that can cause a challenge. So uh, I was only allowed to plan that one, that one uh, once a month for socials. And that was because she was allowed to come. Right. And like, again, the, the partners could come so that we can get to know them too. Right. Yeah. And I, what we're going to try to do is add another event, a Saturday morning breakfast, that'll be more family focused spouses or others, significant others, and maybe children, whatever they want to come where currently our social night is really still guy focused and our, our, our dinners or suppers before the our meetings are really kind of guy kind of guy focused. I know there's a lot of just have more family oriented event. We have something going on during the meeting, but ours have been more guy focused, which I think we need those times. Bring back we do. breakfast. Uh, we do, but one of the one of the big things that um, I would say the majority, ninety percent or more, of our uh, candidates have expressed interest in is the, the social factor, the um, camaraderie, uh, fraternal aspect. And um, they've also expressed, you know, that it's hard to get out when in, in today's world with so many things going. And if you've got a wife, well, you know, she doesn't want to be left at home alone all the times you go to lodge and do all those other things um that are just guy things right so that's what eastern uh, star is for well no because that means i have to participate in eastern star too right but i can tell you that um me getting together with one of the other guys outside a lodge really isn't going to happen unless our wives meet and they like each other and they connect right because then they'll have a reason to, you know, somebody that they can connect with uh, outside. And then one of the, um, uh, I remember, I remember when I joined my lodge, 
that there was a group of guys, about eight, 10 guys and, and their families, they would all go camping. They all had trailers, tent trailers, travel trailers, whatever. And they would all go camping several times throughout the year. And uh, it was like, yeah, it'd be nice to have, you know, have that kind of camaraderie that, you know, your, your families are active doing things together. Well, your families are not going to get active and doing things together unless they get a chance to meet. Right. And with the world so busy as it is, if we have everything that's really guy driven, it didn't work. So that's why our socials became where the, where the spouses and partners could come. Right. We do other things throughout the spring and summer, like picnics and barbecues and whatnot, where the families and, and all the kids can come and, and whatnot uh, outside of the regular schedule of these other things. But we found it very important for our wives to be able to make a connection and not be you know forced into something like eastern star in order to be able to do that right <laughs> absolutely well now you can get on to the next question you want to read it or you want me to i got it are you talking about the arranging uh, the, the landmarks preserve landmarks, the landmarks the landmarks you know so schedules a review and discussion of the uh and to point out the their great importances and call attention when one is involved in so lodge work. What what are the landmarks? Well, didn't we have like three ahead. episodes on that we, like two we, seasons we, ago? We did. And there's a lot of landmarks. Okay. Go ahead, David. No, we, we, we talked about you. Right. We did. We go ahead, Matt. We, oh, I was just going to say we, 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 there were, there are either a lot of landmarks or no landmarks, depending on who you ask, but yeah. Yeah, I think landmarks alludes to the ideas of what we, I'm going to air quotes here, you can't see it if you're listening to it, but the idea of the fundamentals of masonry, what do we at our core all believe in? And people like great authors like Mackie and uh, uh, I'm, I'm spacing on the other name, Matt. Uh, there's, there's another guy that has written a, a series of landmarks as well. So what I always find funny is that they're listed in our code, or you guys call it constitution, in our code, they're listed in the back of our code as an appendix. And they're referred to in the code as the landmarks of masonry. And again, they're conveniently located at the back of the constitution or the code, but we have not officially adopted any landmarks. <laughs> there's, there's no resolution or no agreement of what the landmarks are, even though we allude to them in our code. I just find right. So if that's such a controversial thing, we should carry on to the next question that goes uh, on to the uh, he enhances masonry's image, right? Well, I, I I don't know that that can really be done by one guy, but <clears throat> I think if he promotes a positive image of masonry. Um, then that could be enhancing it. Yeah, and he, he encourages the temple board or hopefully you have a, a board of some kind that manages the building, keep it clean, keep it bright. One of our press grandmasters had an initiative to make sure that our temples were updated, painted or whatever. Uh, you know, to try his One of his goals was to make sure that the lodge can cut the grass. <laughs> Don't let, let it be three feet tall. You know, put some new bark down if you have that or paint the building or pressure wash the sidewalk or whatever. Just when a guy comes to the building or a community member comes to the building, what are they seeing? And then a roll shutter door. 
Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, I, I will say that, you know, each of us, this is my humble opinion. It's, it's like a, uh, I listened to a soccer podcast and one of the guys always says that the, um, the, a good coach can make a team like 5% better, but a bad coach can make a team like 50% worse. <laughs> and I, I sort of feel like masonry is the same way we can each like make masonry masonry's image a little bit better, but man, can one of us really drag it down? Yeah, that's. And, and I, he goes on to talk about the public ceremonies and ladies night school awards, church attendance, those club masons. And so it harkens back to me. I was not a demolay, but it harkens back to me when I see the demolay, I'm a chairman to assist them and they talk about their demolay days or their, uh, their public service days and how they do things in the community. They're required by their, their code, if you will, to do these things. And so uh, wouldn't it be fun to kind of, to decide, Hey, we're all going to meet at this church on this Sunday locally and dress as Masons or, and when I talk about school wards, we used to do scholarships. We don't anymore, but does that really, does it mean that we have to give money away? Couldn't we just recognize these kids for their quality work? You know, or you know, have a nice dinner for them. The uh, how come you guys side. don't do them anymore? Uh, we lack of funding. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Back, we, back to that Jesus concept. We actually, we, we were blessed in our lodge that we had a, a couple of uh, well-to-do members that left um, monies to the lodge to be invested and the profits of that uh, to make up the funding for the um, bursaries that we support. And now we, we support three bursaries a year um, through our lodge as a fund that, that was set up with that. Um, so we were very lucky to have a couple of, uh, of our uh, members that when they passed, they left these uh, in the will to, to the lodge, right? So it's kind of awesome. cool. That's awesome. Right? It, it, it's enabled us to, to continue. Um, whereas I'm sure uh, when times get tough, that's, you got to pull some things, right? Yeah. And the leader follows the standard work. I don't think there's too much argument here. He studies the ritual regularly, asks others to do the same, encourages corrections, observes work in the lodge. And so encourages corrections. Now, that's not chatter from the sidelines or incorrect prompts when, when a guy is missing a line or whatever. That's not what he's talking about here, I don't think. It's one of our masters had a in his master's comments on opening lodge. After opening lodge, we always have a – usually have a master's comment, something – the master talks about and in his moment he uh, he always had some interesting ideas and one of them was about the idea of the perfection ritual we can't expect perfection necessarily and then he went on to say if you can't mess up if you can't fail in front of these guys who can you mess up in front of we're supposed to be this close supporting friendship of brotherly love and relief and truth well that isn't that what practice is for like you, well, of course, uh, that's where you mess up. Well, of right? course, like, but we expect perfection. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Standards have to be maintained. High, high standards <laughs> have to be held. All right, or, past or, master. Where's my gavel? <laughs> my, my little gavel, I tell you, it makes a lot of noise because, you know, the, the one thing that our lodge has always prided itself on is the quality of ritual work that's been done and that it's always been done from memory. Yeah. Uh, we to read something in our lodge is so taboo. Um, it, it's just it's not something that it, it's frowned upon, right? Yeah. Um, and if we do have to allow someone to read some, 
they'll get more coaching. They'll get more assistance. Um, if they need help in getting a lecture through because they just don't have time because of their work or something, you know, we'll get a brother to help them. Right. But, uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, we expect perfection. We expect high quality work. And then when he does do high quality work, does he get praised? So that's nice. He practice leader practices brotherhood. He's considerate, gives credit, shows appreciation, holds honor nights, and is, respons is responsible on call when needed. So, the, I, I've totally stolen this. People are familiar they familiarize it with me now because I say it so much. But when you're giving a correction, I would like to say step on their shoes while straightening their tie. So basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. give them some correction, but give them something positive as well. Hey, you did really, you, we could really use some work on this, but you did so awesome overall. You know, give, them, give them some praise. I think that's, we as humans generally need to get a pat on the back and get some credit and, and, and be considerate of each other. I think we could do a better job of that. It would show that we love each other too. Again, that is our brotherly love idea. Yeah. Well, it's... It's difficult because we're not supposed to applaud good ritual. We're not, but you know, I believe that good ritual should be recognized. And so, quite often, you know, there's a bunch of you know, when a guy does an awesome piece of work, uh, there's a lot of congratulations afterwards, right? Um, you know, every now and then, you know, when I've done a piece or, or another guy's done a piece, um, you know, somebody just stands up right after and just starts slapping because he's, he's just so enthralled with it. Right. Um, and it, though it's not supposed to be done, you know, it's only been done in an exceptional case, right. When, yeah. when uh, it, it's been an exceptionally well delivered piece of, of uh, ritual. Right. And I think too, the next one, he, he, the leader is realistic. He faces duties with honesty, holds praise if it's not, holds back praise if it's not due, pulls no punches, and makes the hard decisions when you have to be. I, I, the idea is that le being a leader is not a popularity contest. You're not, you're not there to be friends necessarily with everybody. You may have to make some hard decisions. You may not be so popular and you have to be willing to be able to make those hard decisions. And again, going back to the previous, and we'll get to a little bit here is that if the master doesn't have that ability, then I think it may be the responsibility of those of us that lead the leaders. Hopefully, I'm assuming I'm assuming that I'm part of that group. That, <laughs> that those of us that would lead the leader, we might need to stand up and assist him in giving that hard decision. You know, hey, I've moved that we X or whatever, just to move on and take that responsibility, take that heat from him potentially, and then talk with him later about that situation. Yeah. Most definitely. Um, being decisive as a, as a worshipful master is so important, right? And, um, you know, that's one of the things that we try to impress upon them uh, as they're preparing for their year. Um, you know, like six months prior to a guy's uh, even being elected, you know, he's got a coach that's working with him on a term plan and um, thinking about the, the year coming and what he's going to uh, do. And, and it's all being planned out, right? You know, so um, this, I don't know about this adopting a major project thing, though. Yeah, I, I, I had to second guess this one. I, I'm not 100% behind this one either. However, when I thought about it more, if the lodge already has something that they do 
and it's already successful and guys aren't complaining about it, then, and it's, they're able to sustain that program. I think he has some responsibility to continue that sustaining that program. Like our, our leader, our scholarship program, it kind of waned <laughs> for many years and just because we've always done it, but then one master finally st had the guts to kind of stand up and make that hard decision and said, we can't do this, this guy, we can't do this. And it was a tough decision and nobody really liked it, but we had to make that decision. And we used to be part of some other programs. The city made some changes. And so we are, and we also did some fundraising in those events for our scholarship program. So it was a double whammy for us. We lost the lost the fundraising opportunity and the scholarship program, but also allowed us to refocus internally on who we are as a lodge and not try to go out and be active and burn ourselves out. Yeah, that's very important because burnout's the number one reason why people quit. And and again, as we talked about before, if you're listening to this and you're kind of a new Mason, maybe you're not an officer, or even if you are an officer, and there's something that you, ah, I wish the lodge did this. Like for example, when we were, we used to go, we used to be dark in July and August and they changed it to just August. But I was a brand new Mason and I was hearing this, you're gonna not have a meeting in August? I, won't, I don't wanna miss everybody. And so I went to the master and I said, hey, uh, can we, I heard about this thing called a table lodge. Hey, can we have a table lodge in place of our August meeting? And so now for the last, now I think it's almost 10 years, nine or 10 years, we've had a table lodge on the Monday night that we, and it's become more of a festive board, just kind of a hangout thing really. But it's the idea is we're still getting together on that night of the meeting, not everybody, but those guys that want to come. And then the leader sponsors masonry's high purpose. He makes meetings a source of inspiration for the spirit, encourages thinking on a high plane, focuses attention on man's potential for excellence and greatness. That can be a little bit more cerebral, I think, the idea of high purpose of masonry. And again, maybe he's not the education guy. Maybe he's not the high thinker or the uh, the deep thinker on topics, but he should be able to then delegate, go back to that idea of delegation, find the guy that, oh, he's the one that, you know, the Jared, I wish Jared was here. <laughs> I say, mm -hmm. find the Jared of your lodge and say, hey, can you please present on X? Or can you work with the new guy to help him present on X? Can you have a discussion? Maybe you two sit in the middle of the lodge or in the front of the lodge uh, we have a thing. Do, have we talked about Shrink the Lodge before? No. <laughs> Matt's nodding and Steve's saying no. Uh, but, uh, the short, in short, the idea is that we all get together, we go to refreshment, and we, we form the lodge into a circle. And there's, there's no second row. We're all facing each other. And we have a discussion on some topic. And so wouldn't that be a great opportunity for this a Jared person, you know, someone that's very knowledgeable, has, lots of re has done lots of reading, and maybe the newest guy one of your newest guys and have him have them have a discussion and then the lodge members can chime in because we can't keep our mouth shut uh <laughs> we could chime in on that discussion and so it's kind of like we're watching a meeting after the meeting or a casual conversation about masonry and then we just we have to say something from the sidelines and it'll be a natural i think it'll be a natural idea so i, I don't think it has to be this super amazing presentation from the east on some cerebral topic that he's a professor and uh you know could he could delegate that to somebody else mm -hmm. and so the, now we finally get to the last question steve has been wanting the whole show who who leads the leaders 
he yeah and we all part we all have a part in the drama i i really appreciate uh one of our past grandmasters i happened to be a deputy at the time but he he really solidified it for me and i said the idea of a volunteer organization was invalidated at the moment you take your obligation as a mason the moment you agree to the charges as an officer and as the master of the lodge you this is not really a volunteer organization anymore if you're obligating yourself to the craft and to your lodge and to your brothers as a mason you're expected to do some work and i think that's one of the things where we don't talk about with our new people is new guys is the expectations of them doing what we talked about before hey you should do this you should be part of this you should teach this you should oh yeah don't don't you take your guy aside and you say this is not this this is this is a dictatorship and the worshipful master what he says goes when he when he asks you in lodge if you you know when, when he's trying to asks you if you're going to be on this committee he's really not asking he's just saying it politely that you're been voluntold <laughs> that you're on this committee right you know you haven't told them that you don't tell them that right off the get-go <laughs> not necessarily oh, we right. tell we tell them we tell them because it's uh you know the, the worshipful master rules and governs the lodge and <clears throat> what he says goes if he says we're doing this or you're doing that what he says goes he doesn't really have to ask anybody to do anything. He can just dictate it. He probably wouldn't be very popular, but um, you know, just so you know, when the worshipful master is asking you if you'll do something, it's not really a question, right? <laughs> and that way, they're prepared as they go through when they get asked to do things by the worshipful master, right? Uh, they think about it differently than when somebody else asks them. You know, can you help in the kitchen? Can you help uh, organize the moving of this stuff? Can you whatever, right? Um, <laughs> only when it's the worshipful master are they obligated. <laughs> and and I think it's tough too because we assume so a lot of people assume that when the past when the master has left the east and he's now a past master that oh he's going to go and kind of fade off into the you know oh my job is done whatever you know my year's over and i again i think i go back to you've obligated yourself to be a contributing member to the lodge and to support the lodge and so the the worn out excuses of not interfering with the master you know and, and giving him some advice what about our brotherhood what about the service what about unity what about the instructive tongue and again what about reminding a brother of the most friendly manner and that's where i jokingly allude to the step on your shoes while straightening your tie what what is the most friendly manner? Praise in public and correct in private, right? You want to yeah. give them some instructive information, but then also maybe give them some praise. Hey, you did a great job. We could work on this together, or you might want to consider this. And but you did a really great job on the closing or whatever. So let's define who who leads the leaders. Well. It's going to really be different in every case because in some lodges you have a mentorship program that you have uh, you're assigned a mentor. Some lodges um, the leader is is led by the immediate past master. In some lodges that uh, worshipful master has had a a mentor or a coach his whole Masonic career and and he looks to that person for leadership. Um, and sometimes. I, I Mm, yeah, I, th I think it's everybody. I think we all have a responsibility mm -hmm. to help each other, but also there are certain people that are more apt 
to have that, I mean, he alludes to it in the book, the distinguished ability to be a leader of leaders. And so, yeah, well, um, he also says that district deputies are uniquely qualified for leadership guidance. And, yeah. and, you know, I can tell you, that's not always the case. I, I didn't, I didn't include that in my comments. Well, you know, <laughs> I conveniently left that out. Yeah. yeah, I, 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 I can see why, because, you know, controversy on that one, for sure. A district a district deputy grandmaster um, is the representative of the grandmaster. And, and so, you, you know, one would as, assume that he's uniquely qualified to give guidance, but not always the case. Uh, uh, in some areas, um, who becomes your district deputy for that year is um, often, well, it's, it's very different. In our, in our district, it's... Um, each lodge rotates putting forward their guy. Um, and so every eight years, the district deputy would be from this particular lodge. And the next year would be the one next one in progression. And, but yet across the bridge down the next district, it's a popularity contest, right? It's, it's who, who they like the most, who's active and who's going to be out and, and be uh, uh, visiting all the lodges and everything else. Right. And in another district, it's who, who's going to do the work of the district deputy and, and uh, who's willing to take that job. Right. And then that name gets put forward in it's other kind of districts. Quick. And the, the grandmaster just says, no, 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 no. I, I choose so and so to represent me during my term. It's kind of like what we've been talking about the whole show is that who, who's leading these guys? Who's who's really should be the leader? And on the previous shows, that they automatic they shouldn't automatically be master should not automatically be district deputy you know so matt what do you what do you think who leads who leads the leaders well i mean we we've talked about about eight, 18 different groups here from grand lodge officers to the members of the or from the excuse me to the other officers of the lodge to the past masters to district deputy you know somebody who can, I think it, it does talk in the article about taking a two by four to somebody. I think we, we, we glanced over that one along with the ham sandwiches, but I, so I've never actually read a book about this, but I've heard other people talk about it. So I'll pretend like I know what I'm talking about. The, um, I kind of like this whole like servant leadership idea. I mean, who's leading the leader on some level we all are, right? We're all trying to tell him, Amen. him or her or him in this context what you know where it is we need to where it is we think we need to go wh how we can help what um priorities perhaps should be and who needs help and where you know hey you might want you might not want to say that kind of thing there's all of us have a, a an obligation frankly to help this organization succeed and some of that is to sometimes lead the leader yeah. I, I don't yeah. think we can any of us can just step back and go Hoop, it was the master yeah exactly and so with that deep pearl of wisdom uh i think we've we've hopefully we've answered the question of who leads the leader and uh in our in three episodes and uh i want to thank uh, all of you out there for listening and again please please let us know what you think of the show and on behalf of Stephen and David and myself, I want to thank all of you and Jared, we'll include him. Uh, thank all of you for listening. And we look forward to talking to you again on the Working Tools Podcast. Goodbye. <laughs>